0: Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Dolores Tarver. I'm a licensed psychologist here in Georgia and it is time for the TT time with Dr. Tarver is a wellness-based podcast. It is not intended to be a substitute For relationship with a licensed mental health provider. So here we are in April. I'm so very excited. We've got our first live guest for the month of April, and we are going to be talking about finding your fit in this month of April. So we're going to be talking about identity development, navigating parental relationships, and transitioning into young adulthood. So I've got two gorgeous women today to discuss that transition and the things that Young Black women are dealing with as we talk about today. See me, voices of young. Black women. So, hopefully, you all are tuned in with us on Facebook. Make sure that you share so that some other women who could benefit from this conversation tonight join on in. Of course, if you have questions, please make sure to drop them in the chat and we'll be happy to respond to those as we go along. And also, if there is some information that you need, drop that in the chat as well and we will get that going for you. All right. So, it is my Sincere pleasure to introduce to you all today two gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous women. I'm very excited about this conversation. I've been looking forward to it all week. So first up, we have Miss Asia White, who graduated from Columbus State University, magna cum laude, with a BA in biology. She crossed spring 21 into the Theta Phi chapter of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, and she is currently a member of the Columbus Metropolitan Alumni Chapter of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. She enjoys hanging out with friends, going to the gym, and taking pictures. And because you have a double the pleasure this evening, you also get to see her amazing sister, Miss India White who is a recent cum laude graduate of Columbus State University with a BBA degree focusing on business management and marketing. She also crossed spring 21 Theta Phi at Columbus State University and is a current member of the Columbus Metropolitan Alumni Chapter of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. She enjoys making videos, creating flyers, and photography. She uses her creative skills to help businesses achieve their goals and strategies in her free time. she enjoys fashion and helping others find their style. So join me in welcoming Asia and India White to Tea Time with Dr. Tarver. Yay!
1: Thank you for having us. Pleasure to be here.
0: Absolutely. Yes, thank you. Thank you both so much for joining. You are by far my youngest guest that I've had on Tea Time, but you have such an important message that I think we're going to enjoy having a discussion about today. So let's get going. All right, so you two are both college graduates, and we know that that's a huge milestone, so congratulations on that. Can you tell me, you're so very welcome, can you tell me about your experience post-graduation with regard to the job market? Because I know the job market is a wee bit tough to navigate when you first graduate, even though we always tell people, get your college degree, you need your college degree, and then when you get your college degree, it's like, okay, this is not what I expected. So tell me what has your experience been post-graduation, and AJ, I'll start with you.
2: Okay so um, that's a good question because we did recently just graduate. I graduated in December and India graduated in May. So my experience has been a little bit different because I decided by choice to take a little break before starting school again. So the job market has been great for me. I was offered an opportunity to work at a dental lab and now I'm recruiting for people in the healthcare field. So the job market has been great for me. I've been fortunately blessed to network with people prior to graduating so that has helped me a bunch.
0: Awesome. What about you, India? What has your experience been like?
2: So thank you. And like
1: Asia said, I graduated in May. I would say headed toward May, I start feeling the pressure of trying to find a job. Um, I started applying for jobs around January, which is I graduated in 2021. So around January, I started looking for jobs. Of course, you feel that pressure of having to find a job right after you graduate, because you know, there's that question of people asking, you know, what are you doing next? You graduated. What's the next thing? So I was... Um, applying for jobs around like March or um, April started seeing more things catered toward like my field of study what I wanted to do so I applied for a job um, and I found one that I was really eager about wanting to apply for and I remember talking to my mom and saying like I really want this job so I applied for that job and I actually didn't hear anything back from it till like two months later so I started feeling like the stress of trying to really get that job buckled up before graduation. So I feel like my parents could tell because they started telling me, you know, it's okay to, you know, not have that job buckled up before graduation. But luckily two months later, I was in that uh, field. I'm doing it now and I love it. So I would say I I definitely have that side where graduates who feel the pressure of graduation and trying to find a job after absolutely. So you
0: both had different experiences. And I know a lot of times people think you're twins, you're going to have the same experience with everything. So I'm happy <laughs> to hear that you're you had different experiences with that. Now, would you say that what you expected, and your actual outcome was what you were thinking it would be? Or did you think it was going to be a different process than it actually ended up being?
1: Well, with me being a business management degree, like going into college, everyone, I would always hear from people, you know, some people share their opinion with you once you tell them like what you're majoring in. I always hear people say like oh you would never get a job with that why would you want to go to school for business when you can do that like by yourself or something like that so I would always hear that. Um, I would talk to my advisors they would say that you know business you can do anything it's very flexible so I was super glad to have that support from them and of course family as well Um, but I would say the expectation It was about the same, you know, you had to work hard and of course go out and apply for jobs. Um, I think now with the job market, it's a lot easier to get a job versus then because jobs are a lot more open. Um, But I would say it definitely met the expectation, but I always heard in the back of my mind or from those people that I would never get a job. But I'm glad that I do have a job because I proved you wrong kind of thing. Um, So I would say it's a little bit of both. Yeah, I definitely do think that
0: there is always that fear like, oh, I didn't pick a major that's going to actually translate over into a job. Uh, <laughs> like psychology <laughs> is one of those majors. So an undergraduate degree in psychology is absolutely not helpful in finding a job. Like there's not much you can do with just that undergraduate degree. And I think a lot of times going into my field, like people don't say, oh yeah, and then you're going to have to con- go to graduate school. So you can't just <laughs> start with a bachelor's degree in psychology or you're not going to have many opportunities. So what about for you, Asia? What about your experience? Did you feel like expectations met outcome or...
2: My experience is similar to yours, like you can't, it's hard to find just a job with just a bachelor's degree in biology, you have to continue that to like some kind of doctorate degree, but so I'm very similar to you, so I think the expectation was to just go ahead and go straight to school after, because we're going to be in school for so many years, depending on what major you decide to do, whether you decide to be a doctor, a dentist, pharmacy, that's what usually people decide to do with bachelor's degrees, so I think the expectation was like to start immediately after, since you're going to be in school for so many years, I think I broke that expectation by deciding to take a break because I knew I was going to be in school for so many more years. So I just needed a break to just relax before I start going hard in school again. So I think I broke that expectation. But the main expectation was just heading straight on to school. So I have a very similar experience to you because it's hard to find a job other than working in like a lab or being like a scientist instead of just going straight to school. So very similar to you.
0: Absolutely. Like I think the only job I would have been able to get straight out of bachelor's and I took a gap year um, was like a psych tick uh, or um, being able to work at like some of the community agencies and most of them didn't want to pay you. Uh, So yeah, it was absolutely a different type of experience. I ended up actually working in retail (laughs) uh, for a year um, and, and worked in management there. It was actually a really great experience but you're right about that. Sometimes people have this expectation that you'll follow a certain path, but you may end up deciding that what's best for you at that time is not to follow that traditional path or to go for that job you really want and try it and then like, oh, if I don't get it, at least I tried it. And then sometimes you do end up being able to get it. I do think the job market is a little different now. You're right in terms of there being more jobs open Because of kind of um, the great resignation, as they say, that people are leaving because people want to work from home and they feel like, hey, now I'm kind of in a position where I can dictate a little bit more about my job expectations and needs than I was before. But at the same time, I think it's still difficult to find some of those higher paying jobs that actually translate over into the benefits of what you went to school for. For you all, do you feel like there are this other aspect of it, like kind of these gender differences that you may be seeing in the job search and hiring process, uh, Black women versus Black men or women versus men or being Black versus not being Black? Have you noticed any gender or ethnicity, race differences as you've been applying for jobs and some of the experiences you've seen?
2: definitely have experienced that um working at the dental lab i was not only the only african-american but i was only it was like one of the few females to work there. It's usually like a caucasian male that worked there and then also like working for like under dentists they always say oh what did he order they always assume like it was a he instead of a she so i definitely see the gender roles even working now they always say like oh what did he say like they always assume like the manager is he so i definitely experienced that like firsthand working like in different jobs. So I definitely experienced that with the gender roles.
0: Absolutely. And I think that some of us are in that bias too. Like I will say that with regard to certain fields, like neurologists, I'm always like, oh, he, instead of like, you know, that women can be neurologists too, right? Just because you don't see a lot of them doesn't mean that they're not out there. So you're absolutely right about, about that bias. That's interesting
1: that you brought up that piece. What about you, India? I would say so as well. Um, I think uh, a lot of corporations and businesses are doing a great job of uh, trying to you know sh- showcase like equality like in their um when you're filling out an application they always put that on there where you can you, you even see it now where you can say like you're raised or you can say prefer not to say but even like from early on working I remember we got a job at like a fast food restaurant and then everyone at high school found out about it and they're like you guys work there I didn't know they hired like African Americans so you definitely get a mix. Uh, It depends on the business. I think that everyone has this expectation or stereotype for certain businesses of like who they hire. Um, But I think businesses are doing like trying to separate that a little bit more by including that like equality or equal employer type thing on their application.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that um, there is this push. I I don't know that Uh, organizations and and, uh, workplaces went to it willingly, but I definitely think there has been this push of this expectation of equality or at least um, better access and better treatment, particularly with regard to women. We're just looking at uh, over the past week, the NFL was called out about their practices around hiring women and how they treat their women. So a lot of attention has been drawn, I think, during the pandemic particularly to how people are being treated in employment opportunities. Amazon. Um, Just was under fire about some of their practices, and so now they have a union, um, and I definitely don't think that was something that they wanted, but I I recognize that it's something that protects employees. So we are seeing some of these things kind of show up. I definitely think um, that we've still got a ways to go, but I'm happy to hear that you two are seeing more of these things in place as you're applying for jobs. The other pressure that I think you all experienced too. So when I was growing up at 18, you left home. So whether you were going to college or you were going to the job force, or you were going to the military, there was an expectation that once you turn 18, you were to be independent. And I think we've recognized particularly during this pandemic, that that's just not feasible. Um, that first of all, financially, it's not a good option necessarily to leave home because it's just so expensive. We have seen um, the housing market just shoot up so for for rentals or in terms of buying. So very costly to even be able to live on your own. But then there's also these kind of expectations about not only getting a place but maintaining it and still being able to go to school or go to work or what like how, practical is that so what about for you two what has been your experience is it even still the trend graduate from high school and go directly to college or are you noticing some other things and then just in terms of the expectation of once you do graduate are you supposed to be out on your own then so talk to me we'll start with you India talk to me about what you guys are seeing with regard to that
1: So, uh, regarding your question about high school going into college, I think that is still a trend, but I think um, we're also seeing more people saying, like, oh, you don't have to go to college. You can be successful doing this. But I would say it's still a trend because even when we were in high school, I think they do like a free ACT uh, credit score or something, or not credit score, but ACT scores where you can get into college and make sure they prepared you for that. Um, They do a lot of like college prep classes. So they're kind of making sure they're doing that job to where they are, make sure you're transitioned enough to go to college or pushing you on, because I think we even did a class of what do you want to be or what, you, what college you want to go to? Like they would help you do your um, apply for colleges, like all that kind of stuff. So they're helping you to help push you into college. Um, so I would say that's still on trend. I think that's still something that people are still gonna be pushing towards rather than automatically just saying no to college because that's just the income bracket for you know college professors, things like that. Um, so yeah, I'll let Asia add on to that as well.
2: So in regard to the high school to college question, I think that they're still trying to be on trend, but I think other people are also trying to do like trade schools and do things like that. So I think the trend is to go to college because of the college prep classes, because of the counseling office, trying to see what you want to do because they am offering scholarships for you to go to school. I think they're still pushing that because it looks really good for like a high school to send a bunch of students to college rather than not. So I think they're to push it and then I think they're encouraging it as well but also I think people are relying on social media and not being on the traditional oh go straight to college after high school let me see if I can do this instead because based on social media I can make the same amount as this person without going to school so I think that's also been a thing as far as like the pressure of moving out I think yes and no I think it depends on the person like as far as we are concerned we never were pressured to move on as far as um, turning 18 because we stayed at home for college. I think we saved a bunch of money doing that. And I also have some friends that did the same thing. Their par- they, their parents, sorry, I got tongue tied. Their parents told them that they needed to get financially stable before they just be out there instead of just, oh, you're 18, you need to get out and figure it out on your own. They were just rather like, okay, let's see where your financial situation is, and then once you're ready, you can move out. So I think that's been the. The new tradition rather than just like, oh, 18, get out. So I think that they've been more open with keeping you at home, making sure you're financially stable, making sure you're able to hold down the job that you graduated with and just be financially stable before you're able to move out. There's no certain age, there's no certain timeline. So I think that's this new tradition.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that I'm seeing more of that. It's interesting because I, I I think that for some people, they feel like it's more acceptable for young ladies than it is for men. And there still may be a little bit of pressure on the guys to like, hey, you need to be out taking care of yourself. But what we've realized is, uh, was watching... Um, the news, oh, uh, because we're, you know, of course talking about student loans. So my generation has a lot of student loans. Um, so we're talking about student loans and one of the young ladies that they interviewed uh, stated that my generation is probably one of the first generations to be worse off than our parents' generation because we haven't progressed because we have all this debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that students came out of school because we were um, trying to get into college and go to, and as as, as you all are very aware, women, um, uh, hold a lot of the, the top degrees. Uh, shout out to Judge Katanji Brown Jackson of the Supreme Court. Um, but, but right, um, but but because of that, there was that debt um, that often a lot of times students experience in being able to pay. As you were talking about before, Asia for graduate school for for professional school for medical school for whatever it is, and so now that debt has caused people not to be able to progress as much. And so I think one of the things that we try to do with your generation and say, look, don't take all that debt, um, stay at home, go to school, because most of the debt was incurred going off to school and paying for housing, because most of the time you'll get scholarship for your, your classes, but it won't necessarily all, cover all your housing expenses, and so we were taking out these loans trying to live, because you can't work and, and be in school and doing all this stuff for a lot of people, it just wasn't practical, so I do think that we're trying, um, and it sounds like you all were receptive to like, hey, be fiscally wise. You can actually save money by staying home while you're in college. And then you'd be able to have that secure footing if you wanted to then move out and be able to have a roommate, uh, because we know that that's uh, what you really need to be able to be um, financially able to support yourself. Nowadays, it's, it's very hard to do that on your own without at least having one roommate. And so it sounds like for both of you, that was your positive experience with this. You didn't feel that push to have to get out, but you were being talked to more about like, hey, be wise in your financial management, as opposed to just jumping out, trying to get out on your own. And then for some people, they end up having to come back home, because they weren't able to handle all of the bills that they ended up incurring, trying to uh, be able to stay out on their own. Mm -hmm. So
1: starting all over pretty much yeah I, yeah to add on to that it's like it, I think it comes from personal experience from those who are giving you that guidance like you're learning from their experience or if mm. they went off at 18 and they did great they're probably going to push you more toward that push out and go ahead and get your life all ready. but I think the truth is like this generation it's it's hard to you know have everything figured out at that age so I'm glad that we're making that shift towards waiting a little bit longer Absolutely. Me too.
0: And we, we want you all to have intergenerational wealth. And I think that was one of the things that we also struggled with. Like most of us were later in life before we were able to own property um, to get in houses. Because again, we're working off this debt that we had and and, and uh, the credit card scams of my generation where you went to college and, and everybody got a credit, card. they literally would allow these credit card companies to set up Um, in our unions and on our quads and outside, and they'd be giving you all these free gifts to get credit cards. And here we go, signing up to get these credit cards and knowing good and well, we didn't have the income to be able to pay these credit cards off. So we want you to have less debt. We want you to have more investments. We want you to be able to be homeowners sooner than we were. Um, So what messages are you all receiving just around financial literacy uh, and being able to have and create that wealth for yourselves as young people, have you all, are you all receiving those messages? I know they got rid of the credit card companies on campus. So though you probably didn't see those. Uh, But did you see some positive things regarding, hey, here are some ways that you can put yourself in good standing uh, as you matriculate into adulthood.
1: Yeah, I would say that, um, so in college, getting the my business uh, management degree, I would say that I, in the accounting class I took, I think that was probably, I didn't like that class because I just don't like accounting, but I would say that it was one of the classes that helped with like, as far as like balancing money, um, they teach you all about taxes, things like that. Um, different messages that we're receiving, they always are still telling you, you know, it's important to have that credit score. Um, I don't know if they're pushing credit cards out as much as they used to, like you mentioned. I would say, um, It may be a little bit though, because I can remember a story when I went to Wells Fargo and I lost my card and he looked at my age and immediately just started pushing like credit card, credit card, credit card. And I'm like, I'm just here for a card. I don't want a credit card or things like that. Um, Just pushing, you know, that this will help you with just credit and everything. So I think they're pushing it in different aspects. It depends on the situation. So if you go to the bank nowadays and they see your age, it's probably some type of quota. I'm not sure, but they're definitely still pushing it, I would say, but we're probably more so at the banks.
2: Yeah, that's an I, interesting I, point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say that I didn't take a financial class because I was a biology major, so all my classes were like chemistry, biology, all the math and science classes you can think of. But I didn't have a financial class. But I did attend. I know that if I had a DS Tips class, and they taught about they talked about like financial situations and how to balance your credit. So they offer classes on campus, and I think that's really good because those who don't take like accounting or things like that, that don't get the opportunity to get taught how to like manage money. I think it's good that they did offer those, but it wasn't pushed on me at all about, oh, get this credit card, do this, do that. Unless like I went to like a extracurricular like activity on campus. Mm-hmm. And I'm
0: so happy to hear that. Um, it does absolutely make sense to me that you would be getting the push from banks, and you probably have gotten it in stores too, right? So when you go to the store, they're like, "Get a
1: Coles credit card, get a," <laughs> right? TJ because Maxx, every time you go to check out,
0: <laughs> TJ Maxx, and they do, they have a quota to meet, and I, I, I know. A lot of people that work in those stores are like, I'm so sorry, I don't know, we, we have to do this. Um, or, you know, Walmart, uh, Target, you know, people are always pushing these cards. And so I do think you get it, but maybe you get it in different ways. But mm-hmm. I am happy to hear that there are opportunities on campus and and there, are, I know there are community opportunities, workshops that are out there to help with developing that financial wisdom and, and fiscal responsibility, because that is one thing that you have to be taught. So people think that uh, I grew up, in a generation where, where uh, so you got a lot of stuff in the mail. So a lot of stuff comes electronically now. Uh, but when, when I was coming up and in college, uh, everything still came through the mail. And so what people would get in the habit of is they would know something was a bill. <laughs> and so they just, I'm like, mm, just going to push that over. <laughs> Over there, right? Avoiding it and not dealing with it. Like, you knew that was that credit card statement. You charged up all of this stuff and, you know, you don't have the money to pay it. Um, Or, you know, that your rent is due or, you know, all of these, uh, your utility bills and you're behind because you've overextended yourself because you didn't necessarily have that fiscal management. And sometimes we don't have family members who talk to us about it. Now, they might know. But they just haven't talked to us about it and maybe they're like oh you're not old enough or they just haven't really thought much about like oh yeah hey I should probably teach you this information Um, versus uh, those families who do start talking to their young people about it Um, and I think that is more helpful when you do have that guidance because you're not going to know about credit scores you're not going to know what that means you're not going to know about the different types of things that build a credit score. Um, in fact, you have to establish credit. A lot of people think like, oh, well, I'm, I'm not just born with credit. Doesn't that just happen? Like, no, you got to establish uh, some credit and you want est- to make sure you're establishing the right kinds of credit um, and that you're also you're paying for things on time and uh, that you're not having all these inquiries on your account with people just getting cards everywhere. Like, oh, I, mean, I qualify for that one. Let me get it. So those are some important things. And it sounds like there are some opportunities out there for you all to learn that, but you may have to take advantage of a workshop or something that's being offered in the community. If you weren't, you didn't have the pleasure of being in a um, uh, an accounting class that it sounds like you didn't enjoy, but also got some good stuff from.
1: <laughs> I agree with you um, about the um, teaching. I think the younger, the better, because I worked at an apartment complex before working what I do now, and I remember seeing applicants, you know, uh, people just don't get out of college, of course, don't have any credit or things like that. You know, when you apply for an apartment, they're running your background and your credit to see if you would you can you know get this apartment. So we would have stuff that come through sometimes that don't have any credit, they have to pay a higher deposit because they would trust you that you're gonna pay the rent on time, like things like that. So I think it's important, you know, to teach not only college students, but probably as young as possible, you know, start saving, um, this is what builds credit. Not necessarily to go push to get a credit card, but just showing the importance of that because that is what's needed to get these, I guess they call it big girl, big boy purchases nowadays.
0: (laughs) Yeah, if you want to get a car, like you said, if you want to be able to get a a lease for an apartment, if you... Mm
1: want to be able to
0: get um a business loan uh so yeah that you do and understanding that business credit is different than personal credit so you're absolutely right I think um taking advantage of these things when we're younger and there are opportunities like there definitely are in all of our communities organizations that do those kind of things but it's that education piece about where would I get that knowledge from um and a lot of people don't know but Goodwill actually does a lot of these classes and they do them for free um it's like Goodwill will do your taxes for free Uh, um But, you know, if you don't know that those things are out there and you can get that education, then you're out here kind of floundering. So I'm happy that you brought that up because it is usually when we get our first apartment that we're like, oh, wait. I think I missed something, um, mm-hmm. and I'm here for the savings because a lot of times we don't talk about savings and investing and retirement at younger ages, but we do need to start. Uh, I remember an episode of the Cosby Show, and we was like, you know, if you saved actually just a dollar a day um, starting from when you were a little kid until you were grown uh, and put it in an investment account, how much money that would be by the time you got to be retirement age, and it's just like, oh, wow. Like, if you think about it in that way, it sounds very manageable. But oftentimes, we don't think about it necessarily in that way. Um, what do you think is achievement for your generation? What, what is the mark of success? How do you know, like, when you're moving in that direction of figuring out that you're on the
1: right right path? Well, you have those things of checklists. I guess everyone likes to consider their checklist of um if you're someone who wants to go to college getting that degree that's a success point um moving out can be a success point so it's like it's everyone has like their personal checklist um it's hard I feel like where people are starting to like shift away from like just like as long as I'm like in the I'm not able to pay my bills and I'm able to you know keep going every day and don't have any struggles and I'm successful kind of thing so um I would just say those personal achievements can be success points but I'm like um it's really, it's really open to anything.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that there are checkpoints for yourself, but also having social media has a big impact on, like, what determines if you made it or not. Because someone else's checkpoints can be different from yours, and they want you to see their checkpoints. You're like, oh, maybe I should reevaluate mine and maybe up my standards a little bit because if they can do that, I can do that too. Because this person's younger than me, they're doing their things according to social media, so maybe I should up those things. I think that having your personal Like, checkpoints are really important, like graduating college, buying your first house, getting your first car. It could be anything, um, getting this job that you wanted since you were a little kid, working in the career you always wanted to do. So I think that having personal checkpoints are good, but the social media thing is, like, a competition, I feel like, with this new generation. Yeah, you
0: all definitely have more. Like, our competition was just the people we went to high school with or the people that we went to college with. Like, you you weren't aware of what was going on all around the world. And with social media, it's like that just pulls everyone around the world into your home. Like, oh, so now mm-hmm. I'm comparing myself to people that had all kinds of opportunities that I didn't have. Oh, like you were rock climbing by the time you were five. Like, oh, okay. Um, and I need to, you know, up my upper body strength. Um, but, But I do feel like I'm hearing you both say it is important to have some goals that you're working on. But it's up to you to decide what those goals are going to be because they can look different and being mindful that whereas I hear social media can be something that can inspire you mm-hmm. to push yourself a little further, it can also set up some unrealistic expectations too.
1: Absolutely. It can be a good and bad thing because you can follow some people who, who are you know on that same path of you that you want to go toward but you don't want to treat it to where every time you see that person it's like a competition and where you have to completely just throw yourself off track and do everything that they're doing because It's like we're all on this journey, but no one said we had to go at the same pace.
0: I like that. Mm -hmm. We're all on the journey, but we go at our own separate Mm paces. I like that a lot.
1: So speaking of that, like I definitely
0: feel like sometimes the conversation about our our journeys also leads us back to this money, right? So how much we're getting compensated in the workforce. Um, I definitely recognize that my generation probably worked harder for less money. And so one of the things that we're trying to, talk to you all about is work smarter, not harder. So what do you think has been the experience you have had? I know you all have had a variety of different types of jobs, which is why I think you two are great to answer this question. But like, what has been your experience around wages in the workforce in terms of if you felt like you were fairly compensated for the work that you did, or you feel like, you no, know, we had to really work hard and try to prove ourselves and move up in order for us to be able to get a fair wage?
2: I'll start with that. So I think that working in like a variety of jobs, they've always said, you're not allowed to talk about what, how much you make. It's supposed to be like a big secret. So working at different jobs, it always came up like, someone makes this, like talking as friends, like on lunch break, the conversation would come up. Of course, I never told anyone how much I made, but I'll overhear people talking and they're like, I make this much. I'm like, you're getting paid this much, you've been here for way less than me, I stay longer, so I had this experience, I worked at a lab, and I was with a coworker. we were in lunch break, and they were talking about, like, how much they made, and I was just eating lunch, just listening, not really listening, but listening a little bit, and he, like, spilled how much he made, and he's been there for way less than me, and then he doesn't stay late, and I'm, like, I'm working double- like double shifts in you, working harder, been there longer, and you're getting compensated more. So I feel like I wasn't fairly compensated with that. But then again, people have different perspectives, how they see people, maybe they felt like he did deserve more. So that's their opinion. But also like working at my job now, like some people make more than others. And we're not allowed to talk about how much you make. But of course, it always comes up. So I feel like the compensation thing is always going to be like a hush hush thing, because they don't want people to see this person makes more than this person, it's going to cause like this conflict thing. So I definitely feel like the compensation thing is like a a secret, but it shouldn't mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I would agree with you on that. And I think that the reason they tell us not to talk about our salaries is because they know their salary compression and that people are actually getting paid more to do the same work. Um, mm-hmm. And it often is based on Uh, nepotism, who you know, who you're connected with, who you're friends with, or family with, or also some gender bias that I think occurs a lot of times in environments. And so one of the ways to shatter that, yes, is to talk about, which is why some companies, their earnings have to be public. So state institutions, for example, you can look up what everybody makes, and that is um, in order to make that process equitable. So I am very, uh, I'm disheartened and disappointed, but I also recognize that this is, you know, still going on. I'm not naive to that, but I'm happy to hear that you're recognizing too like wait a minute let me kind of pay attention um because sometimes it's hard for us to ask for our worth particularly as as black women when we get in environments because we are taught well just be quiet work hard they'll see your shine and they'll come no they won't no, they won't. I need to be able to go and ask for what I deserve as well I need to be able to find my voice with that what about you and have what has been your experience with
1: conversation Mm-hmm. I would agree with you both. Um, I would say companies are still stressing that competitive compensation thing because they know that they have different people in their workplace at different brackets of pay and they don't want to discuss it. I remember when I applied for jobs, I had to sign this disclosure of, we're not Uh, disclosed that I've made because it's damaging to the company so they are fully looking for or looking to conceal the information so they don't have people just all about open quitting because so-and-so makes double they make and they just got here two months ago and someone been here for six years and they're still at you know the starting income bracket that they have set so I think that they're doing that to mask that idea but um, people are still talking about it and eventually it comes up so it can it can hurt the company it can for sure because it kind of makes people think that they're not as appreciative as someone else so um it's still happening definitely still happening today
0: yeah i see that this whole non disclosure thing is an interesting concept to me um because you know, and I recognize that a private company can do whatever they want. Uh, Mm -hmm. Public, you're dictated by a a different set of rules, but private companies, like they literally can do pretty much whatever they want. And because we're in Georgia, which is an at-will state, like people literally can fire you like at will. It'd be like, you know what? See ya. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it does put you in a position where it makes you a little bit nervous to speak up too much because it's like, oh shoot, well, I don't want to get fired either because that doesn't look good. But at the same time, I recognize that there's something going on that you would have me sign a non-disclosure. You don't want me talking about my salary. That doesn't really make me feel very comfortable about the practices that you have going on here. So that's a discussion in itself around, okay, my early career, do I stay in places to get the experience and that's the trade-off? And then I get the experience and I go to places that are going to value me as an employee? Or do I start off like, you know what? Let's have a conversation about why that makes me feel uncomfortable, and see where that goes. That's a delicate balance.
1: Yeah, trying think, to navigate yeah, that. Um, mm-hmm. I think in interviews nowadays, they're even asking you, um, like, how much would you be willing to make, or some some type of um, income bracket question, so they can go ahead and set that bracket of I'm going to put her here because she said she's willing to make this much, and so and so is making this much. But since she said that, that would save us that much money because she's willing to work for that much. So it just I don't know. I just feel like they bring that up in every question just to preset you up to that competitive pay bracket. Absolutely.
0: And I think one of the ways that we can arm ourselves Against that is to do our research before we mm-hmm. go in. Like one of the things that people are talking about is money upfront. So I need to know upfront how much money I'm willing to make, which means I need to research and see how much people are paid and also be honest with myself about my worth and my value mm-hmm. in terms of what I deserve to be paid because I know how I'm going to work. I know my work ethic. And so some of you might be minimalist, so you'll do the minimum amount of work required. Uh, whereas for some of us, we're going to show up and do extra. Like Asia was saying, I'm staying late, I'm working longer hours, I'm doing all. So if I know, I'm going to be doing that and I need to come in off at the gate making a higher wage than someone else so Mm -hmm. I think one of the ways we can arm ourselves is to be educated about what would be an adequate salary range for me and Mm -hmm. not be afraid to say more than what we think somebody else would say I know y'all start people off at 15 I want 20.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, luckily on Indeed, I think they're listing now like the average for those Mm -hmm. positions. Like people give reviews and they'll say like, "I made this when I was there." So I like that point because it gives you like uh, it helps with the research. You're not you feel like you're asking too low or high. You can use that number to kind of gauge where you should what you should be asking for. Mm -hmm. I was always
0: taught ask high and let them talk you down.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, ask higher than what you want. Absolutely, absolutely. I won't. I'm gonna say twenty-five, hoping y'all land at (laughs) twenty. But if you land at 22, that's even better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right, so let's switch gears to talk about um, one of the other things that I know that comes up a lot when we're talking about young um, Black women, which is relationships. Right. So when I was coming up, uh, there was so much pressure to either get married right after high school, which is, you know, just unheard of in my mind. Like, I don't even know myself at 18. What are we talking about here? Um, but there was still some of that pressure in the in the course of generations before mine. Like, they definitely married young. People got married at like 14, 15, 16. Like, they weren't even adults yet. Um, but then it started kind of morphing into this okay we'll get married after college or at least be in a serious relationship um, by the time you graduate from high school Uh, and then this whole get married or not get married your generation seems to be a little bit different in terms of its um, fluidity around what relationships look like like I see people don't necessarily get married but they might move in together I see some people that are like I don't want to get married I just want to date I'm comfortable with that and then I do see some people also getting married so what would you say are kind of some of the pressures around being in relationships and then with regard to marriage for young Black women?
1: Yeah, I would say it's a good mix. Like you mentioned, you see some moving in together, you see some that just are so comfortable dating. I think now it's not more so really like to get married at 14 or straight out of high school. I know some people still do, but I think that we're more so shifting. Everyone's just like has this idea of getting married before 30. Um, so I don't know if you, I'm sure you heard that before, but it's still, mm-hmm. some I get married at 30 or some people are just completely free and it's like, I'll get married when the right person comes around. Um, so I've seen a little bit of everything. Um, I have felt pressure. Um, so I can definitely agree with you on that.
2: Mm -hmm. I agree, too. I think it's more um, relaxed than it used to be back then. But still, people are getting young. I mean, getting married young and having children young, too. Like, they'll have a family. They'll start a family. Like, people went to school with, and it's like, we've graduated five years ago, and it's like, oh, my gosh, they're married with kids now. And I can't even see myself having any children right now. But people are on different timelines. I think it's up to them, like, when they want to get married. And based on their situation, how long they've been with that person and how they were raised, like, their parents got married young, so they feel the pressure from their parents to get married young. Or so somebody else's parents got married at, like, 45, so they're not pressured that you can just say, oh, you can date, you can do whatever, and then get married whenever you're ready. So I think it's people's personal situation. And then instead of, like, people pressuring them, like, this is the thing, like, get married at 18 and have children. So I think it definitely has stemmed down to, like, the lower side of age rather than getting married as, like, 18 and 17. So I Yeah, I definitely that. think
0: that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Like, yeah. Um, that it's not the right after high school, right after college, because I do think there's more emphasis for you all on either education or like you said, going into trade or military, or in in other words, get established first, Mm -hmm. because I think people are recognizing the mistakes that often happen when you don't know yourself and you get married. (laughs) So I'm still learning and growing as a person. And then I got a whole other partner over here. And then I start having some kids on top of that. And so I lose myself because I never really allowed myself the ability to be able to grow. And so I do think that we're recognizing like, hey, you all need to grow. But then so the other side of that, right? So the negative that I hear about that is now that you have focused so much on your career and developing yourself, that it's harder to then get into a partnership because you are used to being able to kind of navigate and manage on your own and make your own decisions and you're more established and so this notion of now I have to have a partner where I'm sharing in some of that decision making um, can be a little challenging and so what has been you all's experience with that like post okay now I'm educated I've gotten my career together and then I try to date what's it looking like in terms of that.
1: Yeah, I've um I've dated um in high school. I've dated in college. I'm still with the person I was with in college. So I think it's definitely based off of personal experience, how everyone, you know, sees that or how everyone goes about finding a partner. Um so i definitely say it's personal experience. And I think that most people are pressured to they'll say, like, you find your sweetheart in high school, they'll say you'll find your sweetheart who you're gonna marry in college. But I just think the right person will always come about your path whenever the right timing is meant to be
2: yeah i agree i don't think there's a specific timeline and then me personally like going back to school people are like when are you gonna have time to have kids and get married like if you tell anyone you want to go back to school to be any kind of doctor they're like well when is the husband and kids coming and play like when is, when is all that coming to play? when are you gonna have time to like go to your kids soccer games stuff like that that's the question that always comes up they always ask when are you getting married and when are you having kids when you bring up any kind of like doctor degree they don't really ask about oh when do you plan on doing this and they're they always focus back on when do you plan on having kids and when are your husband going to come into play so I think the career thing definitely like the pressure of being asked that if you consider going to any kind of further school that because I have friends that have been asked the same thing I've asked them about it they're like yeah I always get asked when I'm going to get married or when I'm going to have kids because I have friends that are in medical school I have friends that are in dental school they always get asked like when are you going to have a boyfriend or when are you going to get married so I think the pressure comes a lot with that career choice that you make too Yeah,
0: I definitely would say that because and and, I remember my father having a conversation with me about um, like, you know, when you get this doctorate degree, that's going to cut down on your options for partners. And I was like, (laughs) what father? Um, But there is, uh, was then, and I think is still this perception that your worth is dictated by your partner. And so, like, hey, you focusing on this other stuff, you're not making room for this partner. Like, how are you going to be able to be with this partner needs? Uh, I've, I've had, um, you know, guys very much share that they feel like it that women are more difficult when they're more educated and more independent <laughs> in terms of, of, of partnership. Now, we know that that's a misperception. However, what used to be this whole notion of You know, man at the head of the house, as the head of the household, he's bringing in the income. You're taking care of the like that. Those days are gone. Like we have partnerships, and so in partnerships, like we have. Um, we're both bringing things into this relationship. We're both responsible for maintaining and managing this relationship. Uh, we're both maintaining the home because you can't be by it. We got to have two incomes, try to live around here. Um, right. So we're both doing that. And so there is not necessarily these traditional, um, which, you know, kind of gender, uh, stereotyped roles of what the, what one partner does versus what another partner does. Like, no, we actually do, um, work out things together, talk about things together. But yeah, you're right. Like there's still that like, oh, but about marriage and kids, well, what if I don't want to get married? What if I don't want to have children? And people are like, a gas, like what, what is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, but maybe that's the fit that I have in my life. Maybe that works best for me. And so getting out of this hole that your first question to a man, isn't like, hey, when are you gonna get married and when are you gonna have kids? Um, like, what are you gonna do after graduation? Right? It's holding him, mm-hmm. day- oh, you're in medical school? Oh, that's awesome. Like, what are you learning about in medical school? When are you gonna say, I can't wait for you to be my doctor? Like, what, 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 where is his? Um, when are you gonna get married and have kids? How are you gonna make time for a wife? How are you gonna go to um, the kids' games? Where, is, mm-hmm. where are those questions for him? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, Yeah, I do absolutely think that we are still trying to smash um, some of those uh, outdated perceptions of what relationships look like and what identity as a young woman looks like. It's not tied Mm -hmm. to your partnership, Uh, but that is tied to you. And I'm hearing you both say, hey, I want to have uh, a life that I'm able to do things I enjoy that give me passion that I'm excited about uh, and and have a career um, that I enjoy going to work and not that I dread. And then the partnership, it'll come. Like if I'm mm-hmm. a fully established and integrated person, the partner, they'll come. But that's not necessarily my focus.
1: Mm-hmm. I think growing up, we always heard that, like you get into that age where you're like, oh my gosh, I want a boyfriend. But we we're always taught, you know, like, you know, put your school first, the boys will come they will fall into place, just let everything fall in line, or try to push yourself to be with someone just to say you're in a relationship, so I can definitely agree with that.
0: What about for you, Asia? I know that you um, have had a different experience, too, like, because you're in the medical field, you're going to be going into, um, like you said, you'll be pursuing either a doctorate or some kind of advanced degree, so it might look a little different uh, because, you know, they used to say that, um, you know, the smart girls didn't get guys, right? Now, clearly, we have smashed those stereotypes as well. Mm-hmm. However, I do recognize that you did have to spend time in lab. Yeah, you did have to, so you've had a different path, and so that may have made it a little bit more difficult to date as well because of some of the things that you had to do for, for school.
2: Yes, I think that being a biology major, like, it required me to study bunch like just studying all night so it's definitely sacrifices with dating someone because sometimes you have to choose studies over going out to eat or talking to that person because I did long distance when I was in college so it was some nights where I had to choose studying over like talking to him and I just had to choose my studies first so this is my career and this is something that not that's not always going to be there so like one grade could lower you a chance because I'm competing for a spot to get into school so your grades matter you can't just push it to the side and say, oh, I'll just do this and make a lower grade. Like you have to push to be the best you can be. So sometimes I had to make that sacrifice and say, okay, I'm going to study instead of talk to you this one night. So I think that being a little, I guess, the nerdy girl in school, um, that definitely came with a bunch of sacrifices. And that still comes with a bunch more sacrifices when I do start school again. So that's definitely a sacrifice that I'm willing to take, though, because I'm willing to put my career first. Absolutely. And so you should, if that's what
0: you want to do. Um, So speaking of uh, differences and sacrifices, I know that a lot of times growing up, girls are treated different (laughs) and we, um, you know, sacrifices are made because there is, like, we want to protect our girls. We want to keep them safe. We want to make sure that you don't get pregnant uh, when you're young, like all of these kind of things that we worry about with our girls. And we continue to be a a little more strict on our girls than sometimes we are on our guys. What was your experiences growing up, young Black women, and what are some of the messages you received just about being a young Black woman, a young Black girl at the time growing into adulthood as a woman?
1: Mm-hmm. I think we're taught, um, just as girls in general, guys will be guys. So there's just a stereotype of they can just be whatever. We can try to train them, but guys will be guys. When it comes to girls, they've got to, you know, do this a certain way. They have to make sure that they you know, Dresses certain. We even get taught that in school about dress code. You can't wear certain things because of how guys will react versus teaching the guys how to treat a woman. Um Just different things. It, it's just we're we're constantly taught these gender roles of how girls should act versus guys because of carefree guys or girls just have to have their stuff together. But I feel like guys get that uh, taught more. So when they get older, you know, being the head in the house, okay. You know, looking for a wife, they try to teach you how to do these things. So I think it all ties down to gender roles. But definitely, growing up, we you know got that talk of, or even some people may say like, I'll never have a daughter because I don't want to, you know, have to you know do all this and that. You see on social media all the time. So definitely something we experience.
2: Yeah, I think that personally, like being a girl, I think that. Growing up, like, girls are raised more strict than guys. Like she said, um, the stereotypes with, oh, the dress codes in school, even having a stricter dress codes. Like they said, I remember in high school, they told us that we couldn't wear, like, shirts like this because your shoulder was out, like, things like that. Like, you can't wear ripped jeans because guys are looking at you. It's always, like, dressed like this, so I won't look at you instead of tell that guy, like, to stop acting like this. Teach him how to treat a woman with respect. So I think that growing up as a girl, there has been more strictness as far as, like, Take care of yourself this way so this doesn't happen to you so Mm -hmm. I definitely see that
1: Mm -hmm. be prepared carry your safety equipment can't walk alone by yourself because a guy can't control himself and try to snatch you at night and just it's a bunch of craziness for sure
0: It definitely sends the message that men are just out here like over sex crazed and like can't control themselves, have no uh, ability to make good decisions, and like be able to to actually focus and attend on anything. It's like. My goodness, what a terrible picture to paint of of boys and men is -hmm. that like you're out here with no self-control. But that is absolutely messages that we still receive. Like I, uh, not too long ago, uh, got into a a bit of a Facebook um, discussion with somebody I respect and value very much who's a pastor who was like, you know, women, you got to be out here and he showed this woman in this very long skirt. um, Like, you know, gone are the days where women dress like this. You need to, uh, essentially, you need to be chaste and virtuous. And I was like, come on now. I, I know that you are still not thinking that way. That's such an outdated perspective and it, mm-hmm. um, it it feeds into rape culture. But but also, yeah, this notion that men aren't capable of controlling themselves, like what in the world? Is that the kind of message that we want to send to our boys um, and, and to our men, like that we expect it's just going to be barbaric out here groping women all the time? Like, no, mm-hmm. you're perfectly capable of wearing your ripped jeans too, sir. Um, and you're perfectly capable of wearing your um, tank top uh, and, and your, your shirt that shows your own your biceps, um, and and we're able to, to still focus, like, yeah, of course, we're attracted to people. Uh, people are beautiful, and we like to look at them, but that doesn't mean we can't look at them and have some control of ourselves, and it definitely doesn't mean that we can't look at them and also focus on other things, mm-hmm. so it doesn't give us a lot of credit for our ability um, to have, you know, uh, reason and judgment, <laughs> so it, it is a little disconcerting, I think, to still hear that young ladies are receiving those same messages about, like, oh, you got to be so careful about how you dress, where you're going, and don't get me wrong, like, we need to be safe, and the reality is there are just some people out here who are sick, twisted individuals, and they look Mm -hmm. for people who are vulnerable to take advantage of them, but the fact that you have to think about that in your class, I remember our, our rule was our skirts had to, um, come to our our knee so how you measure that is you'd have to get on your knees um, and if your skirt didn't touch past the floor on your knee then that skirt was too short and you had to go home um, and change mm-hmm. your clothes and so you know i know they've gotten even more because you all have leggings we didn't have leggings um back then so we didn't have that to, to worry about we have biker stores and we definitely come with wear those uh, mm-hmm. so but yeah all of these different things that you have to think about in terms of what you put on like oh wait I can't wear that because that plunge is too low or that's a little too short or that's got a rip in it and shows a thigh um or oh too much ankle showing Mm -hmm. that you have to be very thoughtful of that um and you probably thought about what you were going to put on um even to come on this on this discussion tonight like oh yeah we're going to be viewed by people so let me be thoughtful about what I want to Mm -hmm. want to put on it's like constantly as as women we're having to think about what we look like um and that's unfortunate that we're still having to think about how we might be perceived and how we might be judged just based on what we're
1: wearing Mm -hmm. and I think hygiene is that is all important but I think when it comes to like the personal image like self-image is putting a lot of I don't know that may contribute to a lot of self-doubt in some people because maybe they don't like to dress that certain way or have to you know always do you know, the materialistic things of how to dress up and carry themselves. So honestly, it's just, it's just a a whole world of just a situation that needs to be fixed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But you do bring up the hygiene piece. And I do think Mm -hmm. that's any part of development uh, from girl to young adulthood Uh, is hygiene, right? So all of these things about being a woman. So we have all of these things in our bodies that we Mm -hmm. have to manage, Um, because they secrete, um, and they sweat, and they, you know, all of these things that we have to go through, like what, you know, some people, when I was growing up, like their, their um, moms, like never had discussions with them about menstrual cycles, or never had discussions with them about natural body odors, or never had Mm -hmm. discussions with them about, you know, how to keep up uh, their gynecological health, And, and like some of them never even saw a gynecologist until they were grown, what were you all's experiences growing up, just in terms of messages you received about how to take care of your body as women?
2: i mm-hmm. so, we uh, oh, sorry uh, we were taught early to um take care of ourselves I remember like the first day of like fifth grade we were taught how to like put a pad on and things like that we had this little pouch like just in case so we were always prepared um but that talk was held on to us very early on I'm grateful for that because I was able to help other friends that didn't get the talk so they wouldn't be prepared they would start their cycles at school or something like that and we could help them by being prepared but I think us having that talk early on don't have to take care of yourself is a huge advantage because some people don't get that talk and they're unaware so us being prepared was really I think it really helped us when it actually did come to the time when we did start our cycle. we weren't like freaked out I mean we were a little bit but like naturally we were but we were still prepared so
1: yeah, it's definitely normal to be, you know, a little bit pushed inside when that starts because it catches you off guard. You're like, okay. But I remember, uh, I still remember having a talk with our grandmother in the car one day. She was like, one day blood's going to come out. We were like, what? We don't want blood to come out. <laughs> like just being like so freaked out about it. But ever since then, like Asia said, we had a prepared like pencil pouch with our, that our mom helped us prepare that had like a just in case. When that time comes so we were waiting for it um so yeah we definitely had the talk of how to take care of yourself body odor the importance of bathing and um just general hygiene things um oral health everything like that so we, luckily we were you know blessed to be able to have that conversation but you're right there are definitely still uh, ones out there that don't get the opportunity to have that talk
0: absolutely like even like sexual you mentioned oral health because a lot of times we don't think about our teeth and how important they are but like sexual mm-hmm. health as well like being able to understand like hey like you don't need to be putting stuff on you trying to smell good and putting all these lubes and lotions and and things on your body and letting people stick stuff inside your vagina like you know that could potentially cause infections and Mm so being even able to have those kind of conversations because a lot of times we're in situations before we know how to deal with situations Mm -hmm. and so it is good to have these kind of preventative conversations about like hey (laughs) so just so you know that talcum powder does not need to go in your vagina
2: nothing inside <laughs> yeah you don't need to put bath and Body work some glitter spray down there to make it look nothing inside pretty. Yeah. So. Right. The glitter spray that.
0: Right. So it's in and, and to be able to have these conversations because you used to be like, oh, that's taboo. you don't talk about that out in public. That's not ladylike. That's mm-hmm. uh, right. Like, no, we need to be able to talk to, um, you know, how many conversations have have I had with women about you are not supposed to be wearing scented tampons or scented pads mm-hmm. like no fragrance, none, nothing,
1: nothing. nothing.
0: Um, that's going to cause you to have some infections. And so I do think it's important for us as women to be able to be safe in spaces, to talk as women amongst each other and share information because you all, of course, have the benefit, your mother's a nurse, Um, so you have Mm -hmm. the benefit of having some of that good health education because I know there were a lot of things that she saw and she was like, okay, so I'm going to make sure my girls um, are educated about this so they don't experience some of these Mm -hmm. things. And then you're, you're able to pass that knowledge on. And I think that's about us as women sharing with other women like, hey, sis, (laughs) so Mm -hmm. maybe you don't know that you need to switch up your deodorant from time to time if it's not working anymore. Like, oh, my body's gotten used to that. So I need to switch that up a little bit. That's why I'm getting this musk, even though I'm bathing regularly and putting on any deodorant It's not lasting because mm-hmm. I need to switch this deodorant up. Um, and, you know, having those kind of conversations like, oh, um, am I actually flossing? Because that may be contributing to why I'm getting some of this odor, even though I'm brushing my teeth, but I'm not flossing. I got food still stuck in there and that's mm-hmm. what's causing the odor, those kind of things. So, yeah,
1: disease, all of that. that, yeah, all of that. Mm-hmm. And knowing like you're running right on computing all these UTIs and yeast infections, it's because maybe it could be contributing to all those products or different things. So, they're, they're, those things definitely need to be talked about as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Even our underwear, like, you know, just conversations about those kind of things. Like we Mm -hmm. don't even like the detergent that you're using to wash your underwear in like, oh, yeah, that may be contributing to why I keep getting these bacteria infections. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's very important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Change of weather, humidity, moisture, all of these, I'm in a different climate. And so like, oh, that's why I keep getting these infections. Like, so being able to understand some of those kind of things. Um, So I do want to switch gears for our last topic to kind of, you know, social justice um, and what are some of the things that you all are seeing. Uh, Of course, we just, um, you know, got a new judgment down that um, Tamir Rice is not going to be getting any justice uh, for the no-knock warrant that was issued that led to his death. Um, And because, you know, he had a weapon, even though he was, again, in his place of dwelling, um, keeping himself safe that the officer was justified in shooting him, and so, like, what are some of the things that you all are seeing with regard to just inequality, justice, um, and, and some of the, the equal rights kind of conversations that you all are having and the things that you've been seeing?
1: I think that more, so when it comes back to the job force, I think people are tr- starting to, you know, equip more of, like, um, I guess you would say African-Americans, you even see it like in today's we have a uh, African-American vice president, like you mentioned the judge earlier. So I think that we're seeing that nowadays and everyone's like celebrating that because it gives us something to look forward to. I remember uh, when the vice president was elected, everyone was saying like, now my little girl or little boys or even myself has something. To because now it's like you're seeing yourself in that. Um, I still think we have a lot of ways to go. Um, You still, every time you turn the news, you're seeing racial injustice and things like that happening. So I think we still have a lot of ways to go, but um, I'm happy to see where we are today versus many, many years ago.
2: Mm -hmm. I agree. I think that the racism has gotten a lot better, but there still is things that need to be done, especially like seeing things that happen on social media that allows us to be woken up because. Before there was social media, we didn't really know that these things were happening. Like, we knew of it, but we didn't see of it being this bad in today's time. So I think social media allowed us to wake up and see, okay, wow, this is really bad. We thought racism was down, but there's still some things that need to be fixed. And then seeing, like, how they're saying, like, they're not going to teach, like, Black history. I mean, not Black history, but they're not going to teach certain things in school because they don't want to talk about hatred. But that's history, and that thing did occur. So we, I think we still should talk about it so people are aware and not just push them the road because that is something that still goes on today so I think that there is a lot of work to be done there has been things that have gotten better but there's still some things that definitely need to be worked on and yeah. I think it's
1: in, I was gonna say I think it's important to talk about like schools are trying starting to take that away because they don't want to steer up but it's like you still have children who are being raised up by people who are still stuck in you know their old ways like I remember growing up we would hear some people say like oh my parents would never let me get an African-American they say I have to stay pure in my race or things like that but then teaching you know, these things allows them to um, develop their own type of persona on how they view things regardless of what their parents think um, just to you know realize you know people should be treated equally not based off of skin color it doesn't make them any less of a person just because they're black and you're whatever race so i think it's important to still tie that into school
0: yeah, I definitely agree with both of you, like, as we're talking, having these conversations about critical race theory, which isn't even taught in schools, um, but as we're, you know, essentially as a, a mechanism to be able to say, like, hey, we're not going to talk about anything that makes us uncomfortable, mm-hmm. we don't want to have to deal with the ugly reality of who we can be to each other, which is we can absolutely be hateful to each other, we can be discriminatory against each other, we can be sexist, we can be racist, we can be homophobic, now mm-hmm. you all are, are, are telling young people they can't talk about sexual identity um, now anymore, and you're, and you're firing teachers and banning um, all of these books that really talk about the good, the bad and the ugly, like there Mm -hmm. are just some ugly truths that we need to be aware of, because we know that if we don't address our history, we're going to repeat our history. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, it is a strategic uh, mechanism that people are using um, to be able to continue the legacies of some of the things that we're experiencing. So yeah, we are still very much seeing outright racism and discrimination and and hatred and killing in our streets. But we're still we're also seeing those more covert things like being able to get a loan, um, being able to get access to certain institutions of education, being Mm -hmm. able to get into certain neighborhoods, being able um, to have businesses and and not have those businesses policed in the same way, right? So there are a lot of ways that it's still showing up, unfortunately, even in your generation, though people are trying to hide it. As you all said earlier, social media is highlighting a lot of these things. Um, Mm -hmm. So people got phones and cameras, and they are putting people on blast and and taking screenshots of of what they posted on their social media pages. And so to some degree, that is holding people accountable, but we also so know that there is a lot more that's required to make systemic change, other than Absolutely. a few hashtags.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: Yeah. So I want to thank you ladies for joining me today, Asia and India White, it's been my sincere pleasure to have you all on Tea Time (laughs) with Dr. Atari, you are so very welcome. It's been a great discussion about some of the issues that you all are are, are facing, and I appreciate your honesty and openness. Um, Are there in your last words something that you would like to let viewers know in terms of what is something that's important to young Black women that may be helpful for people to know that they may not be aware of to ask or um, to do? Uh, to make sure that we see you, we support you, we're there for
1: you. Absolutely. Just that whole thing of don't be afraid to be you. Don't be afraid to ask for more. It's okay um, when people say no. Keep going. Um, And just be unapologetically you. The world is changing. You see more African Americans in these higher-up positions. So I'm glad it's happening. And I just want to say if that's you, if that's your dream, keep
2: going. Yes, I agree. Keep following your dreams. Keep being yourself. You can be the next Judge Brown, next girl in the Supreme Court, next Black doctor, next Black teacher. Keep going and do the best you can do. And don't let anyone stop you from being yourself and following the best that you can be. The sky's the limit. Mm-hmm.
0: Outstanding. Great messages from both of you. You all have been live on Tea Time with Dr. Tarver. Please follow me on your social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and wherever you're listening to your favorite podcast. We do have coming up in the month of April some other great um, topics that I'd love for you all to join us for. Please stop questioning my manhood, father-son relationships, and male identity which will air Wednesday, April 13th at 7.30 p.m. live with Isaac Gilliard. And then from Mommy Dearest to Mommy Did This, Thursday, April 21st, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Michelle Jones. So you all have a great rest of your evening, ladies. Thank you so much for being here today. And to um, the Tea Time with Dr. Tarver followers, you all take care and be well. Good night.